Hey there, I'm Ian. And I'm Rachel. And we want to welcome you to our Building Contenders podcast. Here we share messages, sermons, and our weekly conversations to equip you to contend for the kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy it. Blessings. Wherever you are, you're aware of heaven, always not just on a Sunday morning, not just at a great conference, but that heaven is always in you and around you. And uh, who felt like just the presence of the angelic in the room? Did any of you have, as you were worshiping, did you have any uh, visions, pictures, words of scripture run through your mind? Yeah, some, yes, yes. That's like... When we connect and worship, it just opens up our spirit so much more easily. And um, so I just really, I'm Rachel, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and Ian is coming up just after me. But I just, I really wanted to just remind us of who we are. I wanted to remind us and tell you some stories of the angelic that uh, I've encountered that because they are so fun. Like if you think of the purest child, if you think of the most innocent of person, that's what the angelic are like. I mean, they're fierce, they're strong, and they love Jesus, but they are pure. And they're, they're always wanting to bring us into uh, like the presence of God because they adore who the Lord is. And so when, when we are worshiping and we're singing the songs of heaven like holy, you know, holy, like I had this picture during worship and it was like a peeking through of, of uh, heaven is always inquiring of who is, who is um, hungry for God. It's, it's this mischievous almost peeking through. I know they're with us. I, I understand that. But it's just this sense of heaven looking on. And, and you know, even uh, saying there's a people who believe, who, who believe we are actually for them. We, we exist and we're here to help. And, and so, so the word of God the, the, the most important thing for us this weekend is that we look at how we believe and what we believe about God, because what we think about God is the most important question we will ever answer. And so, um, or what we, yeah, what we believe and shifting our focus, if that needs adjusted. And I do hope we can adjust you this weekend and that you won't be offended. Um, <laughs> Well, I don't really care if you're offended. <laughs> but I, well, I do. I don't want to hurt. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to be offensive. But, but if there's anything we say uh, that offends you, um, <laughs> you're free to not, you know, you're free to believe something different, right? But we hope that you'll hear us. You'll, we hope that you will uh, hear our hearts and... Um, so we believe scripture, we love God. And the thing with um, the, just the, that heaven is around us and in us is what we honor, what, where we focus will grow. 
So for me, it's really important that I would honor heaven's presence in our midst, that I would honor the Holy Spirit's presence, that I would never take for granted him wanting to always be with us. And I, and I feel the same about the angelic. Like we have uh, angels assigned to us because there's calls on our life to do things. And, and God has actually given us helpers. Yes, the Holy Spirit. And yes, angelic helpers. Why? I don't know. Because he wants to. And because he does as he pleases. Um, and so, you know, I love that you're, you're here. I love that you're engaged. And I love that you want to get activated. And so I just wanted to share a little bit of um, some, a few fun stories about activated, like heaven being activated in our midst. So we used to, we were in Chicago for 19 years. We were senior leaders uh, in a church there. We just stepped down in seven, 2017. And... Um, what used to happen on Sundays, it was wild. Your worship is amazing. And it was similar to that. It was just that sense of freedom. And he is breaking stuff off. It's like, that's the Lord, isn't it? That's, he is the one who moves towards us to restore us, to bring joy, to bring freedom. He doesn't move towards us to make us less free or less healed. Like he wants us to walk in who he's created to be and us to, who he's created us to be. So what would happen on Sunday mornings would be, uh, there was a period of time <laughs> that on Sunday mornings, uh, we would come to church, we would do our normal church and, um, and, and sometimes Ian would get up to speak and I, I would have ironed his shirt on the Sunday, right? Sometimes. <laughs> yes, I'm a very good wife. And, um, no. and I would have ironed his shirt, and it was fine. And by the time he finished speaking, his face was covered in glitter. Jerry, Pastor Jerry would not enjoy that. <laughs> but, and as did our janitor, he, he used to think the children were doing projects all over the place. And so Ian's um, jacket, his shirt, his pants, his hands would be covered in glitter. And it was, we could watch it as he was speaking. We watched it appear. Now, why? I don't know. God does as he pleases. But it was fun. And, and it was almost like heaven was going, we have a people here who believe us, who believe God is who he says he is. And they can't help manifesting um, we would have feathers, like, I, I, again, people get offended at certain manifestations, but we saw this with our own eyes, and um, we would see people's hands, like, with oil all over them, we, we had gold teeth appear, like, <laughs> we were just chatting about that, we used to do these fire tunnels, I'm sure we'll do crazy stuff this weekend, but a girl who went through the fire tunnel, and ended up with a pure gold tooth at the end of it. Her mouth was on fire. And she was offended because she didn't want that. Because she was like, well, how am I going to explain this to my dentist? So I'm like, well, I'd love some white teeth, you know. But, but that, that used to happen on a regular basis. 
And it was joyful, it was crazy, it was fun because heaven is like, if you, just that innocence, the purity and delight of, of who God is and just who he creates us to be. And um, one other time we were in church and there was worship and we're all worshiping. And, uh, <laughs> sorry. And at one point we were like, the music was down a little bit, but there was this whole other layer of sound happening. Have you guys ever heard, like you've heard another layer of sound that's not in the room? It's actually from the angelic. And there was people who, who weren't really into all that. Like they came to church, they enjoyed church, brought their kids, but they weren't really wacky, like, you know, weird, like the weirdos we were. And, um, and they heard it. It wasn't like the special people, the really holy people, you know, or the leaders. It was a, a whole bunch of people heard it. And this girl actually ran. She started to run out the door. <laughs> and Ian got up on the Sunday morning. He's like, okay, who heard that? And, bef and before she could run out the door, because if she went out the door, then it wouldn't have been real. And that that aspect of things wouldn't have mattered because she didn't hear someone saying they heard it too. And, uh, and it was a whole bunch of people, like people would run up to the front because all they could hear was this other level of singing. And again, why would God do that? Because he, he's amazing <laughs> and because he can. And I think it's because heaven can't resist breaking in when they find a people to rest on, when they find a people who are so hungry, who are calling out, God, I, whatever you have for me, I want it. Like, I want it, and I don't care how silly it looks. I don't care if people think I'm stupid, or I'm foolish, or I'm naive. It doesn't matter. And and it's, that's the hunger that attracts heaven. Not that you have to be stupid, but that you have to actually allow God to do whatever he wants to do. And um, one, other, one other time, there's many other times, but this other time, we, <laughs> we were in, uh, where was it, the center? Jesus Culture, we're doing a conference, Allstate Arena. There's 15,000 people there. We're all worshiping. Kim Walker was doing the worship. And they were about to transition the worship. So, you know, when they kind of land the plane. And, uh, and so the room was, we were all kind of waiting. We're worshiping. The next thing, heaven filled the room. Now, some people can see literally as good as I can see you, they can see what's happening in that spirit realm. Other people, like myself, can know it, like see with my ears or, you know, see with my other senses. And I'm like, what just happened? Something just happened. Who came in the room? And uh, so, and I was someone who could see, they said, a whole like barrage of angels have just come in the room. Like the angel of Chicago has just come in the room and there's all these angels behind him. 
So that was great. So then the worship then didn't land. It, it actually took off. And because people were knowing that they were doing it all almost automatically because they sensed, oh my goodness, something's just happened. We're going to worship. Because what the angelic do is they actually point us to the Lord. It's always about revealing his glory. It's always about bringing us closer to him. It's not about worshiping angels. It's about he. Have you seen him? Have you seen him? Like how would an angel ever take the glory from Jesus? So anyway, so this worship went it kind of went like waves and you could sense the waves moving in worship and it would die down. You think, oh, maybe they're going to land and then it would go. And at one point, so it, it, I said to my friend, what has happened? This was in the middle of it. And they said, <laughs> they said, Jesus just come in the room. Jesus just come in the room. And all the angels went low. And the, the place exploded because we could all sense that the, Jesus was in the room. I mean, he was in the room. You know what I'm saying. It's, it's this manifest presence of God that is, it will change you. It, it will mark you. And and. I'll never forget it. It was like the hairs on the arms and the back of my neck were standing up. And it was just this gloriousness of King Jesus. It was King Jesus came in the room. And it was about his glory. Because everything points to him. And so I think for us, we want to remind, encourage, whatever we can do to fix our eyes on King Jesus. I love what the worship team did. You know, they brought us in and I love their passion. And, um, and, and I just want to honor the angelic in the room. I want to honor the Holy Spirit. I want us to actually acknowledge them. We, it says in Hebrews, we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses who are cheering us on, who are those who have gone before us. They're not dead. We're not speaking to the dead. We're not, you know, but they have gone before us. And the assignments they had on earth are now, they're looking to see them fulfilled and some of them through us. And I, and I, I just think, if, if we can, what we believe about that, what we believe about the unseen realm is really important. What we believe that if, if God is interacting with us on a daily basis, if we can uh, increase our awareness and trust and know and be people of faith, like you guys are, are Rhema people. You guys are word of faith. And, and I love... Like it is, you know, it is that, I think it was someone said, nothing happens without a declaration. But a declaration uh, comes from what you actually believe. It comes from who you believe God is and what he, who he says he is. And, and I loved Kenneth Hagin, actually. He was an amazing man of God. 
uh, and he said this thing, it has always stuck with me. He said, your words will locate you. And I think as we, over this next few days, listen to what we're saying, not we're saying, but what you're saying, like even to your friends and your friend groups, listen to, because your words will locate even the faith in your heart. It will tell where you are. And um, so I would love to just pray. I'm going to welcome Ian up and bring Ian up. Do you want to come up? <laughs> come up, Mr. Carroll. <laughs> but I just wanted to pray. And if you would pray this with me, you don't have to pray it out loud. But I, I, want, I want heaven who, is with, who are with us. I want them to know that they are welcome. I, I want the glory of God to fill this place. I believe God is on this house. I believe that you guys have an incredible assignment for signs, wonders, miracles, because there is a well of faith that is your inheritance and that will access everything that you have dreamed of. And so I would just love to pray. And if you would just put your hand on your heart and, and just be in agreement with me. So Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence. We welcome you in this place. We honor your presence. And we thank you, Lord, that you, you have honored us. You have honored us with your presence. And, and Lord, we just want to say thank you for all the angelic in this place. We just want to say thank you for their help. Thank you for the, that they bring the presence of heaven itself. They bring the smell of heaven even. And, and we just want to honor the angelic who are assigned to this house and who are assigned to the people in this room. And Father, we ask that this weekend would be a weekend of fire and wind, Lord, of fire and glory, that we would be a people marked by your presence, marked by the purity of God, that we would be a changed people. And I love what it says in First in Samuel, that when we, we are following you, Lord, when we dig into who you've called us to be, you will change our hearts. There is a change of heart because there's a yes in us. Like Saul, he was changed into a different man. And Lord, we bless all that you're doing and all that you will do this weekend. And may you be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So Rachel softens you up. <laughs> so, so the great thing is that we worship Jesus. So how can I put this? Revelation 4 comes before Revelation 5. See, so that, that's way more profound than you're letting on. You're like, what does that mean? I don't know. What Re Revelation 4 comes before Revelation 5. We don't actually worship Jesus because he died for our sins. What? Heretic, get out of here. 
Like we, we don't worship Jesus because of what he's done for us. Like we're not singing songs just because Jesus is awesome and he makes me feel brave. That's, that's a bad example because there is a song called You Have Made Me Brave. Um, but that, that's, that's not what we're doing. Like the angels did not worship Jesus because he was the lamb it was the lion who appeared as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. They're worshiping Jesus because he's actually king. Like, he didn't just start to be king. Like, out of his kingly love for us is what happened on the cross, but he's king. Hi, Christine. Like, he's king. He's, he's not going to be king. He's actually king. And, and it's really like I kind of wonder... I kind of wonder what, what are we doing half the time? We just don't we just don't believe he's king. We don't we think, you know, there's a saying I mentioned it yesterday at, our, at the staff meeting, and like there's this saying that if Jesus is king, Caesar isn't. Let me put it into real language for you. All right, if Jesus is king, Trump isn't. If Jesus is king, Biden isn't. If Jesus is king, Macron isn't. If Jesus is king, Putin isn't. Just to be clear, like we, we cannot accept any substitute for Jesus being king. Like we're, we're actually brothers and sisters. <sighs> like heaven and earth, do you know there's no voting in heaven? Like, they're not, like God isn't saying, you know what? I was thinking of sending my son to the cross to die. Let's have a vote. He's not doing that. Like, that's not how kings operate. Kings make decrees. Kings say, this is what's going to happen. And all of heaven says, yep, let's do that. Sometimes I wonder, like, why? <laughs> I'm an Irishman, in case you haven't picked it up. I'm from Northern Ireland, from Belfast in Northern Ireland. Uh, we are here as missionaries to save your souls. <laughs> we, we were in a meeting in Belfast in, I think, two, about 1995. I was like four. <laughs> Funnily, we were, we were in a meeting and there was this guy called Mark DuPont who lives in San Diego, which is the most beautiful place in the world. And um, Mark DuPont called us out in front. There was like thousands of people in this auditorium. And he calls us out and says, missions and evangelism. And then we got this prophetic word uh, from these people that we know that God's sending us to a, a, a nation that was known for um, floods and for drought. I thought we were going to Bangladesh. But instead, we come to the United States as missionaries, right? So and we're in California, in San Diego, which is, anyway, way better than Bangladesh. So, and, well. But, so I'm, I'm not natural. I'm, I'm saying all that because if you know anything about the Irish, uh, we're not naturally predisposed to be happy. Fighting, yes, we can do that. We can fight, but we're not like the most joyous people in the world, you know. If you, I mean, do you, if you, any literature people, if you read John Millington Singh or James Joyce, you'll know that it's not like, yay. Maybe you don't read this. Okay, so, um, 
So, so this isn't coming from a place of DNA or nurture. This is coming from a place of being born again. Like I, I want to show this, but, but we, we need to break our addiction to misery. Like I, we're so addicted to being miserable. Sorry, I, Rachel tells me off for carrying things in my pocket. I always carry a little pen knife and I always carry a gratitude stone with me. So, um, like we need to break off this misery thing. Like, how are you doing? I'm okay. <laughs> or we would, we would actually say in Ireland, we would say, oh, I'm dead on. And I'm more dead than on. We would say that. Like, that's an Irishism for you right there. How are you doing? We're dead on. I'm dead on. More dead than on. <laughs> and we'd laugh about it. It's not very funny. But it's, it's, it's kind of like this thing. We are, we are completely addicted to misery because in this world you will have troubles. And we're completely addicted to the troubles because we think it gives us a reason to actually suck. Forgive me for my language. But it gives us, a, I, want, I want to quote something from, from uh, the late Muhammad Ali. And I'm going to have to wear my glasses for this. He, he says this, and, and I, I'm going to hopefully tie this all together. So he says this, impossible is just a big word thrown, by, thrown around by small men who find it easier to live in the world they've been given than to explore the power they have to change it. Impossible is not a fact. It's an opinion. Impossible is not, is not a declaration. It's a dare. Impossible is potential. Impossible is temporary. Impossible is nothing. Because, because the, 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 whole, the whole notion of heaven and earth is to see impossibility by the knee to Jesus. Like we're in the business of seeing impossibility by its need to Jesus. Like every creature, every spirit, everything has got to buy the need to Jesus. And, and it's, it's like you're coming up against this thing that's impossible. Yeah, it's a challenge. Instead of a, instead of a statement of, of heaven's intent over your life, no. And, 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 but because we're so addicted to the misery thing, it's like, well, how are you doing? Oh, it's been a hard week. You know what? It's been a hard week. Yes, it's been a hard three years. It's been a hard 58 years. Like, let, let me just be, cl be clear, because Jesus says in this world you'll have trouble. Like, avoiding trouble seems to make us all nut jobs. We're trying to avoid trouble, and it seems to drive us crazy. Like, I'm, I'm just avoiding trouble. Oh, no, trouble came at my door. Oh, my goodness. I got a diagnosis. I got a bank statement. I got whatever it is. Oh, my son isn't talking to me, my daughter. No, no, no. These are impossibilities that are supposed to be bowing the knee to Jesus. But we don't get there by simply pointing out. Like, we, we will not get there by exaggerating the problem and minimizing the promise. That's a good word, Ian. That is a really good word. Well, well yeah, and, and honestly, I don't want to. I don't want to live in 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 denial, right? But because Jesus said you're going to have trouble, like you're, you're, there's going to be persecution, even. And you know, so, some of these guys in the New Testament, they didn't even. They were they were burned alive. But I have Jesus as a model. 
And there's, you know, the suffering servant, right? This Jesus, the suffering servant. Do you know what the church did? Jesus made this statement, you know, he was, why, why are your disciples not fasting? And he says, well, when, when I go, they'll fast, right? So he was gone for 40 hours. Now, the early church decided that wasn't good enough. If we're going to fast, we need to make it for 40 days. Because 40 hours wasn't, like 40, I mean, I could fast for 40 hours, I think. Right? Nearly two days, I could do that. If I started at the right time and finished, I'm sure I could. <laughs> like start at sort of six o'clock one night and break it, you know. The f anyway, so... Like, when, when, I go to the, when I go, my disciples will fast for, for 40 hours. And the early church says, no, we need more misery. We need it to be more miserable than 40 hours. We're going to do it for 40 days. I actually think they, extend, they made it for a, like a week or 14 days or something. They're like, that's not enough misery. We need people to be thoroughly miserable. We're not even going to do it for 40 days now we're just going to do it for 40 days and we're going to take out Sundays so it's going to last for nearly 47 days 46 47 days but you can eat on a Sunday because you have to have communion <laughs> there's nothing about that in scripture like nothing about that sort of but, but it, again it is this I'm addicted to misery so all you do is point out what's wrong. All you do is point out the flaws and not the promise. I love the bit, you know, you know, you know when Zacharias, I'm the angel Gabriel. Zacharias, I've come to tell you that you're going to have a child. Prove it. He's talking to the angel Gabriel. I love what the angel Gabriel says. It's like, it's like he's Gandalf or something like that, you know. You know, I, you know I, I am the angel Gabriel who stands before the presence of the Almighty and you're not going to be able to speak another word until your child is born. Why? Was that God punishing him? No, that was God protecting the promise. That's God protecting the promise to say your words can abort the promise of God in your life. The very fact that you're going against this, like this is why the words matter. It's not because we're just like trying to be living in la-la land. It's not. It's just I'm not going to give focus on the diagnosis. I'm going to give focus and words to the promise. This is heaven on earth. Like what, 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 it's, it's time for the weak to what? Pretend they're strong? Say they're strong, Right? It's not like wait until you're strong and then you're going to say it. It's actually time for the weak to say they're strong. What are, what are we told to do? Like, Psalm, I have it here. Psalms 47. This is from the Passion Translation. And, and it says this. Go ahead, go ahead and celebrate. Come on and clap your hands, everyone. Shout to God with the raucous sounds of joy. Shout out to God with a voice of triumph. Right? It's like this, this is heaven on earth. People are not going to come into church. I guarantee you don't come into church because you, you need a little bit more misery in your life. I want to feel a little bit more guilty. 
But I, you know what I would love? I would love someone to point out my sins this morning. That's what I would love. I wish there was a prophet coming to point out my deepest, darkest sins. That sounds like church. We just did church. No, Jesus, like the Holy Spirit is the most encouraging person you will ever meet. He is the most gracious, merciful person you'll ever meet. Like I love the fact that the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I learned it King James Version. It's, it's righteousness in the Holy Ghost. It's not me trying to be righteous. I tried that, wasn't a great success. I tried relying on my own righteousness. Even the apostle Paul says this, like, that, like this, I considered my righteousness like filthy rags. Right, because we're not gonna be, we have to just come into that place where I'm relying on you, Holy Spirit. Righteousness, peace, and joy. And I love the fact it's not justice. Man, justice. Like we're all searching for justice, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, and before long, we're all toothless and blind. <laughs> right? Because, well, you're not this, and you're not this, and you're not this. Let's point out the flaws, and how will we ever, like, how will people change if we don't point out the flaws? Now, let me see. I wonder, is that earth or heaven speaking? We need to point out the flaws before people will change. What a... <laughs> Beloved, that's not true. <laughs> right, that's just not true. But I, I, in my Bible, this is what my Bible says, it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. It's when I encounter the kindness of God like that's when I'm changed. It's not when people, you know, not that Rachel would ever tell me my flaws. I mean, she wouldn't, you, you genuinely wouldn't do that. That's not part of how we work for 35 years. But I can't imagine being in a relationship with someone who's just like this is with you, yeah. I just can't imagine doing that. It sounds like hell on earth, not heaven on earth. And yet that's how we portray God to be. Like, this, is, this is what he says. This is what, this is what Jesus says. Well, this isn't what Jesus says. This is what someone else has said. <laughs> oh, I don't even have it up there. Sorry. It, it's, it's, a, it's Romans 12. I wonder if I got it. I wonder if I can pick it up. Bear with me. Why don't you talk? Why don't you turn to your neighbor and prophesy over them there or something? Um, you know, it's very easy to prophesy over people. You're amazing. Just turn to someone and say, you're amazing. You're amazing. You're amazing. No, I have it. Right, this is, this was, this is from the Passion Translation. Um, Brian Simmons, we know Brian. He's an, an amazing, he's humble, he's gracious, he's super intelligent. And this is, what, this is his translation. He says, beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? 
to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Okay, I'm going to have to read that one out again. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit. I want you to get this. Through a total reformation of how you think, like one translator said that Jesus, you know, one of the translations was Jesus coming and saying, hey, I need you to change everything you currently think because I've brought the kingdom with me. I, need you, I, need, I, know, you, I know you think you know all this stuff, but I, I need you to know you, you, don't, you don't know all this stuff. I need you to change how you think that this is not a material world and I'm not a material girl. Sorry, I had to go there. <laughs> Uh, it's the 80s thing. It's just the 80s thing hit me all over. You know, um, if you don't understand that reference, it's a song from the 1980s by Madonna. Um, so, oh Lord! So, so this is not. We're, we're not just living in a scientific materialistic society. You understand that there's all sorts of things happening in the room. There's. There's spirits and angels and atmospheres and memories. Like if I told you that memories are actually physical, you might not believe me, but memories are physical. Your memories are part of your body, not part of your mind. There are physical traces of memories. We can reprogram all this through neuroplasticity, changing how you're thinking. But in the spirit realm, memories are real. So I, it's, it's incredible. What I would... So here, right here, right the way around here, you have in the spirit, you have blood on your stairs. There's blood on your stairs because some people have killed some giants when they've actually been right here at the altar. Some people have done business with God and they've actually killed some stuff in the spirit. Right, like, like, like here, like I, uh, so like here, there, there was an addiction broken here, right here. Like it's, it's right there, right? There's, there's like this, I mean, Rachel's talking about like a deep well of faith here. Like it's actually real. It's real in the spirit realm. It's not pretend. It's not like, oh, he's a cook. Right? It's nothing to do. It's actually we're living in more than a physical realm here. Like you understand that there's been adultery confessed here on these stairs and marriage is reconciled. Like that's, that's, that's a myth. This is heaven on earth. And it's realizing that we're, we're not just simply in this two-dimensional or three-dimensional world and everything else doesn't matter. This is real stuff. Right, this is real life and death, death stuff for people. And, and what we have to do is we have to change how we think. Like if you change what you think, I mean, listen, I, I don't know if you know this, but, and, and I, I wish this was a big leather 
Bible, and I could point it out to you, but I've read the ending. We win. But, but, but it, it, it's, 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 it's almost like we're coming to church, like waiting for another, waiting for another, you know, beating or something like that. Well, I was, oh, just, uh, no. Like this should be the most joyous celebration that we have is that we know that we're actually on the winning side. It's a bit like, play, it's a bit like being in Team Europe with the Ryder Cup. <laughs> Knowing that we're on the winning side right now. Sorry, that's a golf reference to something that's happening at the minute. And... No, 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 no. I'm very, the US are playing Europe at the minute and I'm rooting for Europe. I'm, I'm rooting for the winning team. But, it, but it, like, what, how does it change your life if you know that you, you're winning? How does it change when you look at your bank statement when you know that you're actually winning? That you know, I don't know if you, so Romans, let's look at Romans very quickly because... I have, I've still got time. We're good. There's this bit in Romans, as, as I have to find it again. There's this bit in Romans 7. I know. This is a bit in Romans 7, and it's like, it's like Eeyore. Right? There's a little Eeyore bit in Romans 7 which is like the good that I want to do, I don't do. Do you know that bit? Oh my goodness. So let's, let's read it just for fun. So through my experience of this principle, I discover that even when I want to do good, evil is ready to sabotage me. Truly deep within my true identity, I love to do what pleases God, but I discern another power operating in my humanity, waging a war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into captivity as a prisoner of the law of sin. This unwelcome intruder in my humanity. What an agonizing situation I'm in. So who has the power to rescue this miserable man from the unwelcome intruder of sin and death? The problem is that's, what, that's, what, that's where we get stuck. Like, is there anybody, like, what is the answer to this? Did anybody ever give an answer? I give all my thanks to God for his mighty power has finally provided a way out through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. So if I left myself the... If I, so if left to myself, the flesh is aligned with the law of sin, but now my renewed mind is fixed on and submitted to God's righteous principles, right? This, this is actually, I love what uh, Eugene Peterson, how Eugene Peterson actually translates this in, in Romans chapter eight. You gotta listen to this. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer have to live, sorry, no longer have to live under a continuous, low-lying, black cloud. That's good news, people. Like, this isn't just like happy, clappy, charismatic, Pentecostal, woo! This is, this is, a, this is God saying, Listen, see that low-lying doom thing that you're under? You don't have to live there anymore. Jesus has made a way. You're not healed yet. You know you only need breakthrough in four areas. 
People might come in and say, like, oh, no, no, you need them in 10. Here's the four areas that, in my experience, that people need breakthrough. Finances. Anyone need a breakthrough financially? Okay, it's coming. Might not be here yet, but it's coming. Healing. Health, number two. Anybody need that? It's, it's having that sort of thing. It's renewing your mind to say it's coming. Right? It might not be here yet, but it's coming. We talk about the kingdom that has come and the kingdom coming. We don't talk about a delayed kingdom. That's not what we do. It's not delayed. We're being prepared. We're not being delayed. We're being prepared. So, so it's finances, health, relationships. Any of you praying for family members? So the beauty of the New, the beauty of the New Testament is that most of the historical churches talk about a family covenant. We lose that a little bit in the sort of, you know, what, what is called the low church, but we, we lose that in that there is, there's a family covenant. People, like God loves your family. I've got news for you. He loves your family more than you do. Isn't that shocking? So relationships. And the last one is destiny. Like, what am I doing with my life? What's my purpose? What's the, those are the four areas that people need breakthrough. And it's shifting our mindset to say, hey, I might not be there right now, but I'm going to be. So that when you wake up on your wet Wednesday in November, which is a little saying I have, but when you wake up on your wet Wednesday in November and things aren't going your, aren't going your way, that you can actually contend for something to say, no, I'm not going to believe that, you foul, lying spirit. I'm not going to believe that. And sometimes God has to shut us up for a season so that we're not robbing our future. I'm going to read some more because I love Romans 8. A new power is in operation. Come on. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. That is good news. Like this changes how we worship. This puts Revelation 4 before Revelation 5. This actually makes us understand that Jesus has provided a way long before the foundation of the world, long before you messed up. He's actually made a way for you long before it, that this is heaven on earth. But we love the misery. You know, we just love it. Oh, I love the misery. One of the things that, that we've had to, so, hmm. one of the marks of a culture of heaven has to be victory, right? It has to be victory. It has to be a victorious celebration. You know, like we would, uh, when we were leading the church, and, even, and we have influence over other churches, and we work with a church in Northern California to do stuff, and um, we work with Bethel and Reading, and... And sometimes you'll go into a church and you're like, hey, you know, we're going to, celebration, we're going to do celebration. We need to lament. There's a whole book about it. We should do the lamenting. We're going to lament. No, we're not. You can lament all you want. We're not, that's not what we're doing. Right? We're actually trying to create a culture of heaven. Is there any lamenting in heaven? No. 
Did, did Yahweh wake up this morning? And yes, I know, he never sleeps nor slumbers. I know that. But, but did Yahweh wake up this morning and go, oh my goodness, I didn't see that one coming? I did not see that one coming. Oh no. Quickly call the lamenters. No. Because he's kind of like coordinating everything to work for our good. I read that in, in Romans 8. Like, and, and you know the minute you're complaining, so if Thanksgiving, right, if Thanksgiving is actually the language of heaven, what's complaining? Where does that language originate from? Right, where's, where's complaining? What's that the language of? Well, it's the language of truth. It's not the language of truth. Trust me, that's not truth. In this world, you will have trouble is not truth. What? It's in the Bible. It's factually correct. But the truth is, but don't be dismayed for I've overcome. That's the truth, right? So, so we, would, we would say, hey, there's, there's songs we're not singing, people. There's just songs we're not singing. Or, you know, do you want an example? If you sing this, please forgive me. I'm pretty sure you don't. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Like he gives and takes away. Hell. That is a hellish doctrine. Jesus never said he gives and takes away. That's the, that's the, that's the cries of a depressed man. I'm not singing the cries of a depressed man and pretending it's worship. We're not going to do that. That's bizarre. What, I mean, even if you want the full thing, he gives and takes away and then gives back even more than he originally, you know, even if you believe that, but he's actually going to reward and pay back even more. Let's do the full thing. But that's not even, like, we just can't do that. And people go, well, that's not, we, we need a bit of the misery. I mean, that's not what they're saying, but that's what they're saying. We just need a little bit of misery. We're going to sing the Psalms, right? We're going to sing the Psalms. And there's a place for that, right? We sing Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs over each other to encourage the hell out of each other, right? That's what we do. We try to encourage the hell out of each other. So we're singing these Psalms and hymns. Do you know there's Psalms we don't sing? Like by the rivers of Babylon. By the river, no, we're not going to sing that. Because the second part of that is like, and you know, how happy were we when we smashed the babies' heads off the rocks? What are we thinking, people? It's not like this was a, it's a psalm. We're not going to sing the psalms. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to sing like Jesus is actually king. We're going to do Revelation 4 long before anything ever happens. We're going to, he doesn't need enthroned by us, but by us enthroning him, it puts us in alignment with him, right? That's, that's all we're doing. We're not, like G Rachel started it off saying, you're never going to be closer to God than you are at the minute. Like, has that sunk in? You're never going to be closer to God than you are at the minute. When I first realized that, I found it depressing. <laughs> like, really? Come heaven, come, like Holy Spirit, I want more of you. Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, all those things. No, you're here, 
So the problem isn't on your end. The problem's on my end. That means I have to do something about it. Oh, I don't like that. Right? I don't like that. Like, you understand he's living inside. Like, he can't get much closer than that. So we would, we would do the, you know, okay, we're going to be celebratory. We're going to be victorious. This is the culture we're bringing. We're going to be victorious. It's not that we're not having problems. It's just that we're not, we're not going to give those problems the pulpit. That's not what we're doing. That's not what will attract heaven. Like, that's not what will attract our awareness of heaven. It won't help us become more of, you know, the earth being filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. It's not that the glory of God isn't here. It's just our knowledge of the glory of God isn't, isn't always aligned. So, so here we are, we're done. People love the misery and we like the misery. And it's like, well, you know, people are suffering in this world. I don't know if you know this, but people are suffering. So we need a theology of suffering. Let's have a theology. What's your theology of suffering? And, and honestly, there's denominations and they have the, theologies of suffering. Our son has just finished his master's degree and his dissertation was on suffering and you know, people love the suffering because we love them flipping misery. I don't have a theology of suffering, right? I just don't have a theology of suffering. This is my theology. God is good, the devil is bad. That's my theology of suffering. Like, if it's bad, it's from, probably not from God, right? If, if, if it's sickness, good chance it's not from God. There's not, not a good chance. It's not from God. The devil's bad. God has not made you sick. If, listen, if sickness was the key to your breakthrough, Jesus would have been the most sick person on the face of the planet. If I accept that sickness, if I believe that sickness is from the hand of God, I should not do a single thing to stop the will of God in my life. That means you should, if you, listen, that's so dangerous and toxic that you should be throwing your Tylenol out. Because it's thwarting the will of God in your life. Women should not choose pain relief during childbirth. Not a lot of amens coming from that one. Seriously, we've had three kids. I didn't feel a thing. So, it's fine. That's always popular. But do you, you know what I mean? If, if I'm saying that the, if I'm ascribing this foul act from the pit of hell to God, what am I doing? You'd think it was blasphemy. Because it kind of is. I'm attributing an act of the devil to Yahweh himself. That's blasphemous. But if I accept that sickness is coming, you know, that God in whatever twisted way that I've made it up, that he's, it's in his permissive will, what if it's not? What if it's just he likes us fighting? What if he's just actually caused us to be fighters? What if we are supposed to be fighting Irish? But we're supposed to be fighting the, ring, the real thing, not fighting some smoke and mirrors battle over there that the current culture would want us to have. But what if we're starting to fight for each other? What if we're contending for your healing, contending for your financial breakthrough? What if I'm standing with you to contend for your freedom? Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is 
Freedom. So what if I'm contending for your freedom to be fully who you were called to be in your destiny? What if we're going after each other's breakthrough for that? What if I can stand with you to do that instead of this, this nonsense that the world has is doing? My theology of suffering is God is good. He is not only good, but he's a good father. I have three children. Our youngest is 21. And she's our only daughter. And her name is Abigail because we got a prophetic word when we came here that she would be her father's joy. So that's what Abigail means. She's breaking my heart at the minute because she left California and moved to Nashville. She's good. She's really good. She's loving life. Away from me. <laughs> so what do I do? What does a good father do? I don't call her. I'm not talking to her anymore. <laughs> I've taken her credit card away from her. None of those things, right? And that's even me who is evil, who knows how to do good. How much more your heavenly father? Like he's not just good, he's a good father. And I know some of us have some messed up family background, big father wounds going on. My dad died when I was 11. I totally get it. But I also get what it's like to be a good father. I've seen enough examples of good fathers around me that I know what good fathers are and I know what they do. And this is God. He's, the, he's not just good, he's a good father. And if you haven't experienced him as a good father, then there's what you're contending for. You're contending for that renewed mind that says, okay, I know you're good. I don't really know what this was. Whatever that was, right? I don't really know, I don't know what that was, but I know that you're good. So he's a good father. I also know that in a victorious culture, if we're, having a, if we're building heaven on earth, we're, we're to see heaven appear on earth, it is a victorious culture. And in that victorious culture, why I 100% believe that if it's not good, it's not the end. You get that? Because in my Bible, it says that he works all things together for good. So if it's not good, it's not over yet. Simple. In this, yes, in this world you'll have trouble, but please don't be dismayed, for I have overcome. In a victorious culture, it means you need to be victorious. Oh, yes, what a genius. Thank you. I've been here all week. In a, no, in a victorious culture, it means you need to be victorious. Got me? Victorious. What does that mean? It means you need to fight. You need to get into a few scripts. You need to contend for these things. You're not just, like, it's not just, well, Jesus did it all. I've got it all. And it's just not manifesting. And if I manifest it enough, then it'll manifest. And we're going to manifest. And we're going to, no, you have to contend for stuff. You have to say, God, you have promised this. Like, your word has promised this. Your word has promised that I will touch snakes and I will not be overcome, right? That's not an excuse to have a snake handling church. Just to be clear, that would be a bad exegesis of that. This is a promise that says, God, you've, you, listen, in, 
In the old covenant, if I touch a leper, I get leprosy. In the new covenant, if I touch a leper, the leper gets healed. And if you're not seeing that, then we're contending for that. Right, we're actually gonna contend for what scripture tells us is true. Not, not just what I'm feeling. Oh, I hate the feelings thing, oh my goodness. Oh. Can I do the feelings thing? Can I just labor it, can I say, stay there? You're a human being, not a human feeling. No, I get, I get it, all, all you prophetic people, who are all the prophetic people? You're now embarrassed, I'm not putting my hand up. My hand up's gonna make fun of me. Yes, I am. Like, like I, get, I get this particularly from prophetic people, and it's like, you know, I, I just really think we, we're, we need to be. You know, we just need to be. We're just gonna be here, and we're just gonna be. <sighs> Why do we need to do all this stuff if we could just be? Like, why do you need the announcements? Can we not just be? And all the prophetic people are going, oh, I don't see anything wrong with that. <laughs> Seems very. The problem is that the, the, the relationship between being and doing is absolute. It's not separate from it. Like you, you are what you do and you, you, you know, this is just, I'm not saying that you, you become, your identity becomes your work or anything, but, but you are what you do. We are human beings and to be is to do and to do is to be. Quoting philosophy there. If I was quoting Sinatra, it would be doobie dooby doo, but um, that's for another thing. So in this victorious culture, like we, 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 we are actually fighting, right? We, we actually have to fight. This isn't about Jesus providing everything and us having no agency in this. That's not how he has chosen to work it. For some reason, he has given like structure in the heavenlies. There's powers and rulers and authorities and archangels and elders and seraphim and cherubim and accuser and all these kind of roles that happen within heaven. I don't know why, but he just likes it. He just seems to like operating like that. And he's, he's called us to actually rule. He said, okay, I'm going to give you the earth to rule. Like govern it. Have dominion. The word dominion is actually govern. Govern it. Look after this planet. Do it well. Make sure you're fruitful and multiply. And stop whining. That's my bit. He didn't say that. <laughs> Would you like a whambulance? You know, it's, it's just that like, we can't build a victorious culture unless we teach people how to contend. Contend for their healing. Contend for their financial breakthrough. Contend for that relational breakthrough. Contend for their destiny. It's not just gonna come and land on your lap. That's not how he has designed it. He's designed it so that we are actually co-laborers. You know, I hear people saying, you know, we should not be building the church because Jesus says, I will build my church. We should just let Jesus build his church. Like, okay. That's not how he works. You know, we'll just sit here, okay, Jesus, build your church. That's not how he works. Because he works with us. He works in partnership with us. That's why we're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why we have heaven inside us, is that we are supposed to be co-laboring. And that means we have, to, you can't be a conqueror if you haven't conquered anything. Sorry, 
like I am a legend in my own imagination when it comes to, you know, fighting. But that's not good enough. You have to actually get involved in a little bit of a scrape now and again to see how you do. And you have to get better at it. The other thing I know that in, in this victorious culture is that there's things I don't understand. There's just things I don't understand. I don't get it. And that's okay. There's things I won't understand until I go and be with them. And, that, and that's okay. We, we don't have to have understanding of anything. In fact, you know, you can either have peace or you can have understanding. You can't have both. Because it's the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. So there's sometimes we just don't understand. And we're not going to understand. There's a prophet and he says that why is an invalid question that makes an invalid out of you? That sometimes we just don't, we just don't understand why. So we're going to have some fun tomorrow. We're going to have some fun, fun, fun. I'm going to lay hands on you in a good way, hopefully not. <laughs> it's, a, it's a different five. It's a, it's a different fivefold ministry, right? <laughs> there's a there's a verse in Peter that that fascinates me, and, and it's. So Peter fascinates me in many ways, but Peter, Peter talks about, you know, the foul spirits being locked in chains. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Like he talks about these evil spirits being locked in chains in this place called Tartarus. Uh, the word he uses for the underworld or, you know, whatever is Tartarus, which every Greek scholar and everybody in Greek understanding would understand that's where... Um, the Titans were locked, if you're familiar with Greek mythology. These sort of like demigods were locked in Tartarus. And Peter uses this as a way to describe the underworld. And he talks in 1 Peter 3 about Jesus actually going and preaching to the prisoners. Like during between Friday and Sunday, you know, what was he doing? He was preaching to the demonic. It's fascinating. I don't think he was preaching a gospel of salvation to them, just to be clear. He wasn't saying, you know, we're going to have an altar call here, all you demons. I don't think that's what he was doing. I think it was more of a proclamation of the, of the good news of the kingdom, right? So, I mean, those are, those are some MP3s and MP4s I'd like to watch when I get to heaven. Listening to him watch, like, what, what was he saying? That must have been quite some sermon for 30 hours preaching to the demons. But the, the way... Uh, I could go on. The central event of all history is not the second coming of Jesus. I need you to get that. It's not the second coming of Jesus. Do you, is that confusing? I, I know. The, listen, it's not the central event of all history. Jesus' return is not the central event of all history. Paul himself I said, said, I preach Christ and him crucified. The central event of all history is the cross. Nothing else. Right? Like, he, he, he sort of, like, it was good enough, as far as my scripture tells me. It was, the cross was kind of good enough. No. Is that, is that confusing? 
you, it's not a trick question. Was the cross sufficient? Right? Like, it is finished. Kind of is a bit of a clue somewhere. But if you picture it, if you picture in this, it's like, this is Jesus inaugurating the kingdom. Right? This is, that's, that's what it is, is, is. He's inaugurating the coming of the kingdom at that moment. And there's all this sort of like the word finished is actually consummated. If you don't know what that means, ask Pastor Joe and Jerry. Um, it's like this, the kingdom has just, just, like this has just been consummated. Like this covenant has happened through the shedding of blood between Jesus and his father. Right? This covenant has just happened. And, and what's happening is we're now moving into this place of the increase of his government and of peace. There shall be no end. Like that, that's where we're at, that there, we're increasing. We see increase and we have to believe in increase. And I had this thing at one point, and I have a tattoo on my thigh. And the tattoo on my thigh is in Latin. You know, thigh tattoos are the most biblical. No? On his robe... And on his thigh, it is written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Come on, Jesus has a tattoo. No, I don't know if he's a tattoo. Don't, don't. I'll, I'll get all the heretic hunters to go for me on that one. Um, so so what, 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 I, what I had was this sort of like notion, like what, is, what does it look like? Because there's this whole story that goes on of victory throughout the New Testament. And the devil thought he had got victory. You know that the temptation of Jesus was actually the devil trying to get intelligence on what was happening because he didn't know what was happening. Like that's what, that's what was happening is that he was trying to get intel on what Jesus was there for and figured that if he, could, you know, if he killed and resurrected, this was part of the plan and all that. So this intel was happening. The devil didn't know. And the devil thinks that he's won. Like the devil thinks that he's won. Like there's all this chaos on the earth that's happening, you know. And the devil actually thinks he's won. Like that would have been a party in hell. Right? And the devil thinks he's won. And all of a sudden there's this. <laughs> oh dear. Who's there? <laughs> right? And Jesus is actually then, you know, going around, and I don't know how it happens, but he's sort of gathering Abraham's bosom, and he's going and seeing people, and Abraham's going, you're the one? You're it? Like, you, you know that litany in Hebrews 11 where it says that they died, didn't even, not seeing what was come? Like they died believing even though they didn't see it come to pass. Like that for me is like, would, would you choose to die believing or live in unbelief? What are you going to do? Like I, mean, I want us to choose to die in belief. I, I would love us to live in belief, but if, if it comes to it, I'd rather die in, in, in belief than live in unbelief. Because these great heroes and Jesus, I, I picture this part of the preaching thing, as I picture Jesus going around and introducing himself to everybody, you know, high five, maybe as a fist bump, maybe they were afraid of, my, I don't know. But, you know, Jesus is going around introducing himself to all these heroes of the faith. All that, that list that's in Hebrews 11. And I imagine what it was like. So this is part of my process. I imagine what it was like when he met David. Right? Who had a heart after the Lord. 
right? Just this heart after the Lord. And, and like, what culture is Jesus actually bringing into the underworld? And Jesus then saying, hey, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you up. We're going to go up. And I have this thing that David is then saying, hey, I have a song for this. I wrote a song just for this moment. And they start singing, lift up your heads. So I have it right there. The actual local newspaper did an article on me the day I got it done. They called me Father Thigh Band. But it's, it's David saying, hey, you know what? I have a song for this. I have imagined what this looks like. I've imagined that taste of victory, what it looks like when Jesus actually comes for us. What, what I've dreamed of this moment. And, and, and I have this, and it's Psalms 24-7. There's a reason why it's 24-7. And it's lift up your heads, O you gates. Swing wide, you everlasting doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? Like, I imagine that this is what Jesus was, this is what Jesus is singing when he's leading captivity into the throne room of God, that they're singing lift up your heads. Because here's the thing, you have to lift up your head you have to lift up your head. Your body matters. Like we're not just materialistic. It's, a, it's everything that matters. Why don't we stand? Just why don't you stand? Because part of it is realizing that if we're going to apprehend heaven for ourselves, for our families, our communities, that it starts with lifting our heads. Like no longer being bowed down. This is not about false humility. This is about saying lift up your heads because there's something about lifting up your heads that allows the King of glory to come in. So Father, we lift our heads. We lift our heads. When everything around us is trying to, to, to sort of like bow down, to be weary, to be burnt out, to be exhausted, to be depressed, to be anxious. Lord, when everything around us is telling us that there is no hope, we lift our heads. And it's not because we're all that, it's because there is a king of glory. There is a king of glory, and who is this king? The Lord Yes, say it, the Lord. <laughs> yeah, God, you are mighty. You are mighty. You are bigger than any problem that has come into any one of our lives. Anything, anything, any, anything that says this is impossible. God, I just, right now, I take it as a challenge and say, not on my watch. Like not on my watch, not with my family, not with my finances, not with my health, not with my destiny, that this will bow the knee because the Lord strong and mighty. And Lord, this isn't positive thinking. This is just thinking the way heaven does. God, I thank you that heaven is not rocked by anything that's going on in our lives. 
Like they're not, like the, the angels are not running about in despair going, oh, what is going to happen? Right? They're not doing that because who is this king of glory? Holy. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy of all glory, all honor, and all power. All dominion belongs to you, Lord. And God, even when we mess up, when we're like doing the wrong thing or we make mistakes or we do deliberates, God, you are mighty to save. Mighty to save. God, I pray for the heart of warriors in this house, Lord. For every single one of us here, God, we, I, I believe you want warriors. Love sick warriors, but warriors. And, and our reality, and we'll probably get into this a little bit more on Sunday, but our reality is that our destiny lies on the other side of giants. God, I pray we would, we would have a different spirit, the way Joshua and Caleb, that we would be men and women of a different spirit. Not the spirit of this age, but a different spirit that says, give me my mountain. That yes, there's giants in the land, but they're nothing compared to the promises of God. Yes. Warriors, Lord. Warriors who will not bow the knee to anybody other than King Jesus. Warriors who will be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Warriors whose weapons are not carnal, but mighty for demolishing strongholds. Warriors who deal in hope. Hope dealers, Lord. Warriors who deal in hope, in faith, in love. Not in anger and bitterness and judgment. Hope warriors, Lord, imagine. Imagine if we just became hope warriors. Just snipers sniping hope into people that don't think it's even theirs. Like just long distance, like pew. So Lord, bless us, keep us. Make your face shine upon us. God, I pray for encounters. So there's some people at the minute that have tingles on their, in their hands. Who are the people with tingles in their hands right now? 
You got tingles in your hand. Put your hands straight up. Let me just pray for you. All right, put your hands straight up. So God, I just release an anointing for healing over these people right now. God, I pray that this, that this tingly thing in your hand is an anointing for healing. And, and God, I just, I just release it and I release the faith for healing and I release opportunities. And Lord, I, I, I don't want them going, oh, I hope somebody's sick. I don't want that. But if there is people sick, if there are people sick, then I pray that they would be bold and courageous to say, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give you in Jesus' name walk. healing explosion, Lord, wouldn't that, that would change this region. That would just change this region, Lord, marking this house as a place of healing. Amen. Amen. Why don't you high-five all the angels? 